Welcome back to A Minor Detail. I'm Ryan Miner. I am your host. And tonight, oh, well, before we get into tonight, hasn't it been just a, just a totally exhausting week? I mean, with nationally, we, this show focuses more so on Maryland politics, but the Comey hearings, the Trump's endless tweeting, the nonstop tweeting, um, what else? And, you know, this, this weekend we just relaxed. Uh, we went to, we were all over Western Maryland. We went up to Garrett County, was there on uh, Friday night, late Friday night and Saturday, and then went to Heritage Days in Cumberland, Maryland. And then yesterday, Kim and I laid on the couch all day and watched the new season of Orange is the New Black. But I'm not here to talk about prison. Well, maybe. Who knows? We could probably talk about prison. But I'm here to talk with my good friend. Her name is Jordan Lysick. She's a Hancock attorney. She's a child advocate, and she's going to be my guest tonight. And she is a very famous lawyer up in Hancock, Maryland. Actually, Jordan, I think you're the only lawyer in Hancock, Maryland. Is that right? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, thanks for uh, being a friend, a friend of uh, a minor detail and for coming on on your debut issue here. Um, I texted Jordan yesterday morning. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm putting together this show, and I had really no idea where I wanted to go with this show, but it's always good to have an attorney on so I don't say stupid things. And Jordan will help me. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, Jordan will will prevent me from saying really dumb things. Um, so Jordan, welcome. And I want to go right into it. Let's talk about you. Uh, you are, like you, like I said in the beginning, the only practicing attorney in little old Hancock, Western Maryland, which is that little sliver between West Virginia and Pennsylvania, um, one of the westernmost portions of Washington County. Why is that? Why are you the only attorney in Hancock, Maryland? That is a really good question, and I am not sure why that's the case. Um, I'm kind of happy to be the only attorney right now. As far as I know, um, I, I grew up here, and there hasn't been an attorney here during my lifetime. So <laughs> I'm not sure why that is. Um, I, I do know that worldwide attorneys aren't the most popular um, people. So uh, maybe everyone was just afraid to uh, open a law office here, but uh, <laughs> I, I was the first brave soul, I guess. But. Well, so let's, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about your background. You grew up in Washington County. You are a Hancock native through and through. So you know all about the, as we talked in another interview, you know all about Hagerstown's famous park and dine. You know all about Buddy Lou's. And, you know, mm -hmm. all the good and some of the bad that comes with Hancock, Maryland. So, Jordan, you know, before we get into our actual interview about all the legally stuff, um, talk, let's talk about your upbringing and, you know, your adventures in Hancock. I want to hear about that because it has to be interesting. Well, I mean, it's it's just a regular small town. And before I got out in the world any at all, um, I had a lot of complaints. I think a lot of people in their teenage years want to get away from small town life um, and they do everything to run away. And I definitely shared that mentality for a while, but now that I've settled down and started my own family, have a little boy um, and 
it's really nice to to have the the small tight knit community that we have here. And um, I, I frequently I'm disappointed when I hear people say that they're bored or that there isn't anything to do because I I never find a lack of things to do. Particularly if you like the outdoors, Western Maryland is amazing. Um, we we actually just uh, waxed up our canoe today, and we're getting ready to take it out on the Potomac and take mm-hmm. my son fishing. So uh, hopefully we'll have plenty of fun summer fishing trips in the canoe. Yeah, I I went on a canoeing trip when I was a kid with our Boy Scouts, and uh, I don't have a canoe myself, but I want to try kayaking. Have you ever tried kayaking? Yes, yes, um, a great time. I love kayaking. Um, we will go to Rocky Gap State Park a good bit in kayak. Um, it's just, it's such a beautiful scenery up there and the, the lake is very smooth. I don't think any motors are allowed on the lake. So you never have any, um, waves or wakes to worry about. Um, and usually you'll see quite a good bit of wildlife, which is, which is always really fun in the kayak. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've, I actually have some great pictures where uh, my husband and I have gone kayaking and I've successfully managed to flip him over. Uh, we've made a game of that from time to time. <laughs> um, so there's always, there's always entertaining things to do. Um, but as far as growing up here, um, I, I don't think that I really missed out on a lot in life growing up in a small town. Uh, then again, in Maryland, pretty small state and we're, we're pretty much a hop skip and a jump away from the metro area and um you have the beach on one side and mountains and skiing on the other so it's not so love yeah no kidding western maryland um especially has that four season thing where you know we have the mountains and then we can go down to the eastern shore and then we have all four seasons in the winter time it's cold in the springtime it's sunny in the summertime it's hot and humid and then the fall time, I love the fall. I think it's my favorite time of the year. Um, I was born in the fall, and it's just a I, – I love that fall sweatshirt type of uh, atmosphere. It's nice. And Hancock – listen, I, I grew up going to Hancock when I was a kid. I went to Father Allen's church up on the hill um, with my friend Rhett McCarty, and then we, you know, we go to Weaver's, and we go to – the grocery store, of course, there's the blue goose, all that stuff is really fun. Mm-hmm. And people, if you don't know much about Hancock, you have to go visit it. It, And I would encourage people to not only visit Hancock, but do a Western Maryland trip, like maybe stay in, is there a hotel in Hancock? I think there is, right? There's like a super eight. Yes, there are a few hotels. Um, but even better than some of the hotels, I would think is there are some great bed and breakfasts. And yeah. if you really want to fully immerse yourself in the whole experience, uh, I recommend some of the bed and breakfast. They're, they're awesome. So stay in a bed and breakfast and then dry, and then spend some time and you have to try Buddy Lou's. It's my favorite restaurant in downtown Hancock. And you have to go visit some of the stores on main street and see all the churches. And you, you have to go, um, you have to stop at park and dine for, for lunch or dinner it's another great spot and you have to go to the bar <laughs> the two that are in- <laughs> yeah, yes but- we have some great bars here too yeah so 
And then after you go to the bar, you're going to go need to, you're going to probably need to see Jordan because she's going to get you out of trouble. Um, (laughs) There'll be people knocking on your window at two o'clock in the morning or calling you saying, Hey, I listen, I I got into a little bit of trouble. I need your help. Um, Uh, That's actually happened. That's happened. (laughs) Oh yeah. The only lawyer around and and having grown up around here, um, everyone does know me and everyone knows how to get a hold of me sometimes for better or worse. (laughs) Um, so I've had some I've had some interesting phone calls and some interesting um, um, situations that I've been put in. <laughs> yeah, I bet you know it. Like th- probably I could imagine in the middle of the night, and you you know of course you live in Hancock with you and your husband and um, your little boy. So I'm sure that having your I think your phone number is plastered on your window of of your yeah. law practice. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So I remember you told me a story and, you know, we don't have to mention any names that you've had some interesting people knock on your door and demand you prov- that you provide them legal services like on the spot. And it's kind of like, no, you have to make an appointment. You know, we, we have this thing called a calendar, <laughs> a schedule. We have to, yeah. I just think it's really funny. It's it's kind of funny. I, I've gotten I've gotten phone calls um, that are, that have been along the lines of I'm being pulled over right now. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just try to drive to your office and be pulled over in front of your office. Um, those are usually <laughs> are the late you, night phone. Like people actually <laughs> pulled over by the town police and they're they're saying to you in real time, I'm going to pull in front of your office, which. Incidentally, if you're listening, is to the right of the only stoplight in the town of Hancock. No kidding. There's one stoplight. Yes. Um, you cannot miss it. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Um, and I'm I'm deadly convinced that you have the nicest law office I've ever been in. I've been in some dingy law offices, and I've been in some other nice offices. But yours is cozy. It's welcoming. And as I said to you, when I was standing in your foyer um, uh, two weeks ago, I said, hey, Jordan, um, this is this is really welcoming. And I like the tones on the wall. And I were, we were talking about the painting on the wall. I was like, this is really nice. And, you know, you think of going into a law office is almost therapy and it's very therapeutic to be inside. It's a, it has a very lavenderish feeling. So if you ever need a lawyer in Hancock and on top of that, you want to feel kind of like good about what you're doing, even though you might be in a terrible situation, go see Jordan and <laughs> you'll feel really comfortable. <laughs> that That is definitely my goal. I, I have one of my favorite clients of all time, um, you know, just really made me feel great and said that the law office felt like walking into a spa. And I thought, all right, I've, that's, that's my life's mission. That's all I needed to hear. I'm good to go from here on out. Um, yeah. If if you can feel as relaxed as at a spa when you walk into a law office, then I've 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 achieved everything I'm looking to achieve. <laughs> <laughs> so so Jordan, tell us a little bit about your practice, what its name is, and what law that you um, focus your practice on. Well, um, the law office is Lysak Law Office. Um, which I, I sometimes wish my last name were a little easier to spell. It is a, it is a tough one to spell. Um, <laughs> but um, it's easier to say than it is to spell, fortunately. I'm, I apologize if you hear in the background my, my son's calling for me right now. Um, 
I, I, there are some distractions around here at this time of night. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, I, I mainly concentrate uh, on elder law, um, child advocacy work, um, and small business. Um, I, I mean, I say small business. Most of the businesses I've worked with have been have been fairly small, but um, definitely some moderate-sized businesses as well. Um, I, in, in legal terms, most lawyers would say the work I do is mostly transactional as opposed to litigation, and that is definitely by choice. I try to keep clients out of court and out of conflict as much as possible. That is my, my end game. Um, so, so typically I, I see people that um, aren't too keen on court. They'd like to avoid it at all costs or, you know, if, if, um, if, all, if at all possible, um, which, which leads me to, to working with a lot of individuals on their estates, um, dealing with family issues, and, of course, uh, helping businesses out. I also do um, immigration work um, pro bono. It's kind of my, it's just my little, my little cause that I, I feel strongly about. Um, I work with unaccompanied minors um, who are uh, mostly have been trafficked into this country and are victims of mm. human trafficking. Um, so it's not necessarily something I advertise here in Hancock, but that is a key part of my practice as well. When you say you don't you don't advertise that, is it because it's more so of a passion? It's not something that would be directly relatable to the town of Hancock, or you wouldn't advertise that for another reason, maybe politically speaking. Um, I don't think it's for political reasons at all. It's mostly um, most of my clients that I would work with. Uh, in an immigration setting are, are in Baltimore or Rockville area, um, more of the, the metro counties, um, the, the big five counties uh, right in the center of Maryland is where most of those clients are coming from. Um, I really don't have a good reason for not advertising other than um, I think a lot of Hancock um, natives would think, why in the world do we have an immigration mm-hmm. office here in Hancock? <laughs> right, sure. I think is about the only reason, but um, I'm not ashamed of, of the work that I do in that realm. Um, nor do I think uh, if, if anybody, I don't know, has felt bad about it politically or felt uh, differently, I, I don't think my feelings would be hurt <laughs> on the matter. Uh, so- I've gotten used to that. Um, so that's that 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 actually that was a good question. That I, I may add that to my to my list of things that I do advertise in the future. Okay. So Jordan, in you're you're also a member in good standing of the Washington County Bar. Is that correct? And Frederick. Um, the I'm a member of the Maryland State Bar Association. Right. And then. Um, I do attend, I have attended some bar meetings in Frederick County. Um, the Washington County Bar, um, I'm not sure that it's one of the most active bars as far as getting together regularly. I think there are some events here and there. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to go to one yet. I do know that there is, I want to say there's a bar association golf tournament. And um, I'm not a golfer. <laughs> I wouldn't know the first thing about it. So um, 
that wouldn't be the ideal meeting for me to attend. But uh, I, I do try to stay um, in touch with a lot of other lawyers just throughout the state, really, but in particular in Western Maryland. Right. And Washington County, having grown up in Washington County, especially in the, uh, I would say, Hagerstown, halfway Williamsport area, I know that Washington County is its legal sector uh, that comprises a majority of its lawyers is a very male-dominated atmosphere. Would I be correct in saying that, Jordan? It is. Um, it is. And I want to say that um, it's, a, it's an older group of lawyers in general. No, that's not, that's not everyone. Um, just the, the average age of our lawyers in Washington County is probably a little bit higher than some other places, um, partly because I think a lot of, for instance, there's a, there's a huge draw when you're, when you're a newly admitted lawyer to work in the city. Um, and that is what a lot of lawyers do. So it seems as if a lot of the lawyers that are in Western Maryland have kind of been here for a very long time, have been practicing for a very long time, and there's not a whole lot of young blood, um, I'd say. Although whenever I do find other lawyers in my age range, it is, it's absolutely refreshing to, to speak to them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have a, another close friend. Her name is Nina Christ. And she was, I think she went to Widener Law School up in okay. Harrisburg. And mm-hmm. you went to um, the, it, it's Penn State's, uh, the Dickinson School of Law um, um, in, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, in Carlisle. Yeah. So you went to law school and then you came back and then you opened up your own practice. And I, I, I find that refreshing because not only that you opened up a practice in your hometown, you're also a, a woman and you're also, and, and I say that endearingly because I like to see more women in the legal field and especially in um, making a real difference on the policy side. And that, that to me is an important issue and um, that I hold near and dear. And I, I think, Women should be encouraged to run for public office. I think more women should be involved um, in the political process, meaning that I support women, a lot of women candidates. Um, And let's face it, you women outnumber us men. And (laughs) I think um, politics is a very male-dominated blood sport these days. And, And it's it's true. And that brings me to let's 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 shift directions just a, just a bit and what i really want to talk to you about is your take on the fired fbi director jim comey um his congressional testimony he was called before a senate committee and testified this past thursday and he was fired on may the 9th uh by our president donald trump and he In was in a very public way <laughs> Yeah, in a very public way. In fact, the president didn't call him. He didn't send send him a, a message to Mr. Comey. He didn't do what is considered to be a a standard practice of maybe having one of his underlings go and fire him. No. Instead, you know, Donald Trump being um, the big brash um, bi- business tycoon that he is. You would think that he would pick up the phone and say, Mr. Comey, I think you're a nut job. 
instead of talking and, and telling the media this information, Jim Comey literally found out that he was fired as the FBI director, I think, watching television. <laughs> so, I mean, what a way to be fired. Good God. Very, very odd circumstances, for sure. Um, something a little different than has, has been the – I can't think of another time when this has happened, um, at least not in recent history, not during mm-hmm. our lifetimes. Um, and what, what surprises me is how, how partisan uh, everything has become over Comey's firing, which I almost feel like the issues at play shouldn't be a partisan issue. It shouldn't be – um, you know, Republicans versus Democrats over this. Great. I want to say that Comey served under um, he served under George W. Bush, um, a, a conservative Republican. He served under Barack Obama. Um, he has a law degree, and, and his testimony he did seem very credible, very professional, um, and he kept emphasizing how much he has tried to maintain independence. Um, as an investigator, and that's very important for, for instance, the, the, the director of the FBI to, to be independent and, and not mm-hmm. swayed to one side or the other politically. Um, also, the, the, the issue of foreign interference in an election, in an American election, is, is crazy, and I can't believe that it's becoming a, a partisan thing that only one side sees it as bad or, or and the other side possibly doesn't. And I, I think um, that's really a, a disservice to all of us. Um, it's, it's a big deal if a foreign country is uh, interfering with our elections in any way. It really hits us right at our core, um, particularly one that's kind of been hostile with us in the past. We don't have best relations with Russia, but really even – any foreign country interfering with our elections is, is a big deal. And the fact that there is and should continue to be um, a, an in-depth investigation as to the facts and what was really going on here, I think that's important. So I'm not, I'm not saying um, that uh, – I'm, I'm trying to – I'm trying to say that this – it shouldn't be as much of a partisan issue as it is. It's, it's really driving me crazy whenever I see how partisan it's become. Sure. Um, and Comey was – so he – you mentioned that he, he has a law degree. He went to uh, William & Mary, and then he got his JD from the University of Chicago. And Comey is a relatively young guy, and FBI directors are typically appointed for 10-year terms. And, in fact, I think Robert Mueller, who – um, preceded Jim Comey mm-hmm. um, at the bureau. He he, I think he was on for even longer than that. And so Comey served two presidents: Barack Obama, who appointed him the FBI director in 2013, and then Trump, who um, probably wanted to keep. I would say Trump maybe wanted to keep him on, but then he <laughs> Comey clearly interfered with Trump's political interests or refused to squash it. And we're going to talk about that, but. Jim Comey is no stranger to the law. In fact, he was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York um, from 2002 to 2003, and then he served um, as a United States deputy attorney from December 2003 to August 2015 in George W. Bush's administration. 
And then mm-hmm. he, he left the Department of Justice and then became general counsel and senior vice president of Lockheed Martin in Bethesda. Um, and then, of course, he was appointed by uh, Barack Obama in 2013 mm-hmm. to serve as the director of the FBI. He, he was – Jim Comey came to prominence not in 2013 or 14. In fact, if you asked me back in maybe even 2015 or Ryan or Jordan, you, you would probably know. But I, if somebody said, Ryan, who's the current FBI director? I would say uh, – I, I, J. Edgar Hoover? <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, you know, but I, I wouldn't yeah. know. I'd have to look it up. I mean, I'm politically involved, and I I think I know government pretty well, but it's it's still something that I probably wouldn't have known. So Jim Comey came to prominence during the 2016 election when he was responsible for overseeing the Bureau's investigation into the Hillary Clinton email controversy. And so yeah. he had this interesting role – and I think we tell folks – I often talk with different individuals about politics and the way that the 2016 election rolled out and all of the variables that led to Trump winning the election. And so the three big names I think we're left with in 2016 are Clinton, Trump, and Comey, and all of those have – some sort of formula that have added up to Donald Trump winning the election. So then, you know, Comey had to oversee this highly controversial email um, investigation, um, and you know, he had to come out and publicly and and you know, it's been it's been said that Comey's testimony and his reopening of the investigation into he emails tend. Uh, or into the basically into the investigation that involved Anthony Weiner of all people ten days before mm-hmm. the election, I think it was on a Friday in October, October 29th. That was when it was opened up, and I remember I was sitting in my office's cafeteria, and I'm looking down at my phone, and then you know breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, and we already had one October surprise in the unmentionable comments that. Um, Trump had made to Billy Bush on the Access Hollywood tape, and I won't repeat that because I think it's disgusting. Um, But this was the second October surprise, and I looked over at my colleagues that day, and I said, Hillary Clinton lost the election today. And they said, you're crazy. There's no way. No, she lost the election that day, likely, I mean, amongst other things. But I think that was the, the cherry. That was the real, true October surprise. What's your take, Jordan? So I I am with you, and I still question and wonder why um, it was important for him to go public with that investigation, but not publicly mention. I, I mean, I suppose at that point they hadn't been looking into whether or not foreign governments were interfering with our election. Um, but but yes, there was the the question has been posed multiple times by many different people um, as to whether he affected the outcome by publicly announcing they were investigating her, um, whereas uh, this, this issue with Russia, Russia um, didn't really go public um, for quite some time. And then um, the question as to whether anybody within the Trump campaign was being looked into 
yet again that that one didn't immediately go public. Um, and I kind of wonder why. Um, that it's possible there are good reasons for that. I do think there may legally be good reasons as to why he felt one was, um, I don't know, classified information and not ready to make a public statement yet versus what he did with, with um, the, the Clinton emails. Um, in a way, though, um, he... I don't think that it was some people try to assume that he may have wanted Trump to win and that he tried to make uh, Clinton look bad. And I don't necessarily think that that was the case. Um, I think it may have inadvertently happened (laughs) after the fact, but he more or less, the, the email issue was, was in the news media for how long and he kind of put the final quash on it by saying it has been, we have investigated this. They even reopened it to show, I think the public of America that this was being looked into by our, our enforcement bodies. Um, And he, he made the statement as to technically laws weren't really broken here. Um, There was, there was careless activity, um, but he, he made that statement that there isn't a law broken, and you would think that that may have kind of stopped things from continuing to be said about Clinton and the emails. Um, right. But that didn't really that didn't really stop it. Um, but I, I think he did his job whenever he he said, "Look, we've we've investigated this. this these are our findings." Right. Um, yeah. Just like I think that should be his job, or should have been his job. Um, with the Russia investigation as well, but I think he was fired before that could happen. Yeah, so I remember that in July of 2015, um, the Federal Bureau of Investigation opened a criminal, criminal that is, investigation into Hillary Clinton, and no candidate wants to be under criminal investigation when they're running for president of the United States. The Clintons have always, no, the Clintons have always seemed to be enmeshed with some sort of legal controversy, you know, dating back to Hillary, <laughs> Hillary Clinton's yeah. days at the Rose Law Firm, to Whitewater, to Monica Lewinsky scandal, to just scandal after scandal. But the Clintons have always seemingly been able to weather this. And I think it's by dipping your head down into the sand and and just saying, OK, this is just a as I remember Hillary Clinton stated this emphatically that it's just the right wing um, machine attack machine going after her. And so, but then again, these emails issues as Bernie Sanders said, we're all tired of hearing about your damn emails, but it was <laughs> a big issue in 20 in the 2016 campaign fairly or unfairly. And so it, it was exacerbated by several elements, the right-wing media, Fox News, often misstating facts about it. And then it didn't help when the attorney general at the time, Loretta Lynch, um, you know, instructed Comey, as we learned this past Thursday, to refer to this as a matter instead of an, an actual investigation. Um, and then it, it turns out that in during the the midst of the campaign, like <laughs> last year, um, Comey had announced that the FBI would not recommend filing criminal charges relating to Hillary Clinton's email controversy. 
And so he held a press conference at the J. Edgar Hoover building, and he did say that Secretary Clinton's, uh, Clinton and her top aides' behavior was careless, but that no reasonable prosecutor – these are his words – would bring such a case. Of course, that drew ire from the right wing. It angered many Republican activists. They used this over and over. So Comey became a villain in this grand narrative of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Um, but then you know, you fast forward, as we mentioned earlier, that he reopened the investigation. Um, it was the – I think that Comey learned that the FBI, edu- FBI agents that were investigating the sexting between Anthony Weiner and this 15-year-old girl, they had discovered emails on Weiner's computer and his wife, which was a top Clinton aide at the time, Huma Abdeen. And so <laughs> they, he, he informed Sally Yates, the other fired attorney general who, in my opinion, is a true American hero, and then they, they reopened this – this investigation, and then to, to the American people, they thought, okay, is Hillary Clinton under investigation once again? And she was on an airplane when she found out this information. And so this has all been chalked up as one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton lost bigly the election. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and Comey got a bad rap among Democrats. They said basically he had no basis for for releasing that letter when he did it. And it was nonstop bash Comey fest. You remember, Jordan? Mm hmm. Yes. So, so let's fast think... forward. Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to ask when it came to the, the email issue, uh, do you understand uh, you I know you're a, you're an old millennial like myself. We grew up um, in the computer era, uh, yeah. sending emails constantly. I'm sure you were you had AOL Instant Messenger as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but to generations before us, um, a lot of technology has been a new thing, and a lot of people don't fully understand the concept of. Uh, you know, sending an email from a private server versus a government server, um, or whether or not emails are adequately encrypted or protected or safe. Do you think that the kind of the lack of knowledge among a lot of people about just some of the, the technology that's involved in these cases right now, um, I think when people don't fully understand something, they assume it's bad. They assume it's scarier than it is or worse than it is because they don't fully comprehend the technology at play. Do you think right. that that has played into any of this, especially with the Hillary Clinton emails? Well, I think so because you you have people who – and it's it's to, to know um, this is not a bashing people who don't understand technology. Hell, I don't understand technology in a lot of cases. No. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you look at things like Hillary Clinton who who decided against the better judgment of – State Department officials against the better judgment of the office that which she holds, ethics, that she used a private email server, and those private emails may or may not have been um, con- you know we don't actually know what was on the emails, but the more that you the more that you investigate or the more that you draw this out, let's say that. Um, it, it takes over a new partisan tone where you, it kind of plays into the narrative that the Clintons have always been secretive, 
that they haven't always followed the, the rules. They're not always up and up on ethics that they just play by a different set of rules than the rest of the American people. And so fairly or unfairly, Hillary Clinton got attached with that label and it just went downhill from there. And it didn't help that there was all of this fake news being promulgated. And literally that's where it comes in, where did the Russians actually serve its purpose? Did they really infect our democracy with all of these fake news stories? Did they meddle? That's the word of the day. Did the Russians actually meddle into our elections? In what context did they have with Trump's people? And so you have all of this at play, which brings us to why did – in your opinion, Jordan, in your legal expert opinion, why do you think Donald Trump fired Jim Comey, and why did he do it in the way that he did it? Okay. So I'll answer the second part of that question first. Why do I think he did it in the way that he did it? I think that is 100% inexperience, um, and I think now – if he could go back and do it in a different way, um, he would probably take that opportunity. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think the way I think a lot of uh, his actions so far have just shown his his rookie nature um, as a politician, and so him thinking, you know, he's he's known as the you're fired guy. Um, and he, did, I don't think he saw it as a big deal um, in the way that he fired Comey. He thought, I don't like this guy. Um, he's bothering me. Uh, he's, he's not a yes man, and I do think Trump seems to like to surround himself with yes men. Um, and this man was not. This, he's, I can't imagine Trump um, would be an easy client to have as a lawyer or that he gets along with yeah. lawyers well. <laughs> um, well, he so has the best lawyer, imagine, according to him. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that uh, he and Comey had the, the best relationship. And according to Comey's testimony, you know, he didn't really want to be alone with him, um, and apparently found some interactions uh, quite awkward, which I would too. Um, but as to why. Um, he's fired. That's that pretty much my all I can say at this time. I can make assumptions as to there might be more there, and it is possible. Um, but I don't want to jump the gun and say it was because um, this investigation was getting closer and closer to Trump. I mean, that's kind of a somewhat of a, a rational next step to think that that may have played into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the facts so far, just based on the, the public testimony of Comey, it was clear that uh, Trump did not like his, his style at all. And, and let's face it, Comey's style was pretty much that of an independent investigator and an attorney and someone to kind of tell the president, this is what's going on. I can't be loyal to you. Loyalty is not my job description. Um, I, I, I like his um, – I'll be – uh, loyally honest or something like that, um, which was which was a great uh, way of spending that conversation, but um, apparently not what Trump wanted to hear. So at the at the very least, on the most innocent uh, side of this, it could have just been Trump did not like this guy. He was not a yes man. He wanted to get rid of him, and he's this inexperienced rookie who 
didn't quite realize that you shouldn't fire an FBI director in that way so publicly, especially during an ongoing investigation. (laughs) Um, uh, Obviously, on the more cynical side of things, there could be a lot more to it. Let's talk about the lead up into Comey's testimony. Obviously, the big event that transpired was Comey's firing back in early May. Then before that, there's there's this there's these issues swirling around that it's 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 so much. It's just so so much from Trump's advisors to people lying on FBI forms to the firing of Michael Flynn, who sat at a Russian dinner next to Vladimir Putin, um, to Kushner not being able to tell the truth on his um, multi-layered forms that you have to fill out when you go into the executive branch, to Carter Page, to all these different people that are connected with Trump at the very top, um, and you know even in, in, including – his attorney general, who some say he lied uh, and and did not tell the full truth about his meetings with um, the Russian ambassador to the United States, uh, Sergei Kislyak, and some say that he had forgot. I don't know, but it's still never good to not tell the full picture or omit facts on an FBI clearance form. I mean, you tell everything. Yeah, I think I think it's it's typically um, better to err on the side of saying too much when you're dealing I, with um, the FBI or really uh, a lot of invest a lot of investigators. Um, if you if you're truly wanting to help the investigation along, you you pretty much pour your heart out. Right. Um, and and now if you if you uh, feel as if you are being looked at as a suspect, I think that's when people typically close up and don't want to reveal or they omit facts. Um, sure. I will say with, with in Sessions' case, um, I, I, did, I did read his excuse being um, he, he believed when he was asked about um, interactions with Russians, he believed that they were referring to in his role as part of the Trump campaign. And he, he later came back and said that he had met with him, but not in his role as part of the campaign, as part of his former role as, um, I, I believe, senator, senator uh, his senatorial role, um, it, it, which it's, it's somewhat possible that that's true. Uh, it would depend on how the question was asked exactly. Um, but it is possible to be a little bit confused, and I I can imagine that um, you know being in any legislative position, you should be meeting and interacting with a lot of people all the time, and potentially omitting one. Although I wouldn't probably admit uh, I wouldn't omit somebody from a foreign country, <laughs> particularly uh, a hostile foreign country. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm sure it's possible to to admit some people that you've met with uh, unintentionally. So again, I try I try to look for the best in people. However, the longer this um, you know plays out, uh, the more suspicions are kind of confirmed. Unfortunately, so <laughs> right. So a lot of folks that are saying, namely Trump supporters, that this is nothing more than a witch hunt that is set out to damage Donald Trump's 
presidency to distract from Donald Trump getting uh, actual policy and issues uh, brought forth before. See, that is, I, um, on one hand, I do uh, believe that in some cases, um, the way the media is focusing on this, they are leaving out some key um, legislation that is taking place, some other big issues that are happening. Um, but that would just be the media. I mean, the, there are some things going on that need to be covered uh, aside from just the Russia thing. When I mentioned earlier about this being so partisan and I didn't fully understand, so I don't, I don't fully understand calling it a witch hunt. And that's, I don't think it should be, um, you know, down party lines on this. I think if, if a foreign government potentially interfered with our election, then every American, I think we all should agree that this is a big deal and we get, need to get to the bottom of this and make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, if that, if that leads toward people in the Trump campaign, then so be it. Um, this, is, this is very much a big deal. And as a matter of fact, um, historically, Republicans and conservatives are um, big advocates of um, voter fraud measures, uh, preventing you know people without IDs to vote or non-citizens, preventing them from voting, preventing people from voting twice. And as a matter of fact, it's it's always a big issue trying to prevent voter fraud. Um, so I, I kind of feel like if you care about voter fraud and the integrity of our elections, then we we need to look into this. And right. it shouldn't be, uh, you know, left versus right on this. Um, now, I think maybe some some on the left, and I definitely see a lot of left wing news media that are absolutely already um, saying that you know Trump is a puppet of Russia. He's one of Putin's puppets, things like that. Now that's that's definitely jumping at conclusions based on what we know now. Um, I don't think is there's enough really, evidence to say that yet. I mean, no, sure. no, there is not enough evidence to say that yet. Um, it I mean, may not be that far fetched, but only time will tell there. So I think in in that way we are kind of we're kind of jumping the gun, and 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 some some left wing circles people are already assuming he's been convicted of the deed, um, which is not the case. But continuing this investigation is in the best interest of all Americans. Well, and, and I agree, and that's why – let's fast forward to what happened between Trump and Comey and that their personal interactions that basically led up to Comey's firing. So you have Comey, I think, in the White House and then walking across and shaking the president's hand, and he met with Trump, I believe, at Trump Tower, and soon after Comey had left Trump Tower – that's when he went out and literally sat in the passenger seat of an SUV and pulled out his laptop and started taking contemporaneous notes about his interaction. So he also met with Trump at the White House, and this is where the real issue comes in, and this is where the testimony got pretty interesting in that he had met at the White House with Donald Trump, and the issue was is that the attorney general – and Jared Kushner and I think other top aides were asked to leave the Oval Office, and it was just Trump and the FBI director. And Jordan, tell 
tell the let's tell the audience why is that such a bad idea? Why shouldn't that ever happen? Oh, um, that is getting rid of witnesses. Um, <laughs> no, you definitely don't want that to happen. Um, anything that can be said, uh, particularly about an ongoing investigation, you want to say it in front of witnesses. And obviously, many of those witnesses would have been on Trump's side and probably would have, um, you know, if he remembered saying things one way, many of those at the table probably would have said, yes, he did. Um, so now what happens is he's created a situation where it's his word against Comey's. Honestly, at this point, I, I rely a lot more on Comey's word. Um, just knowing, you know, that this is a public servant, like a lifelong public servant that has taken an oath to serve the country. And I think it's very apparent that he takes honesty very seriously to the point, even uh, he's going to be honest, even if it gets him fired um, or if it gets him unliked by others, he's going to be honest. And this wasn't the first time he's had showdowns over his, his moral convictions. Um, (laughs) There was the the famous incident with uh, during the Bush administration too. Mm, Um, He felt strongly about, uh, I believe it was the, the, some torture that was going on. Um, yeah, he rushed at that John Ashcroft's bedside when he was uh, hospitalized. Yes, yes, no. He so I I feel like this guy, um, even if his opinion isn't necessarily popular or it's not going to get him friends, he's not afraid to to tell the truth. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much the position that he's found himself in right now. He was he was loyally honest. Um, and I think what Trump was looking for was loyalty um, without honesty. <laughs> so Trump is talking to Comey inside of the Oval Office, and it's the power play. And Trump, if, if anything, Trump knows how to do power plays. He's a you know longtime New York real estate guy. He's always the biggest guy in the room. And I think that there was – I think if you look at the granular – psychology here you look at comey who towers literally towers over trump and trump's a tall guy i've seen him and i've been next to him in person before when i when i was up in new hampshire and trump stood right next to me and he's he's a towering figure but trump comey and being six foot eight there's a there's a physical i would say physically he's intimidating if you've ever seen a six foot eight person (laughs) and i have not to mention I, that he's FBI director. <laughs> he's the FBI director, the top cop of the country. And so, I mean, aside from the attorney general himself, this is the guy. This is the guy. And that's intimidating to Trump, who has grown up in the – I don't like to use the, the phrase mob-like figure, but you know, Trump's the <laughs> Don. He is the Don of America. You go to him, and he promises to – um, he makes promises on on weddings when he probably, you know, there's it. He's the Godfather. Trump is the Godfather, and you kiss the ring, and he's standing in the Oval Office next to Comey, and Comey's looking over him, literally looking down at him, and he's telling Jim Comey that I hope you can see your way clear of letting this Michael Flynn investigation go, and so there's going to be parsing of words and verbiage and 
when you say, as the president of the United States, I hope you see your way clear of letting something go, Trump's, Trump's lawyers are going to – first of all, they're basically saying that's not true, but it, I, I don't believe that. I believe Jim Comey. I, there's no way that that didn't happen. I mean why would Trump – Trump hasn't denied it either. He hasn't denied calling Jim Comey into the Oval Office and talking to him one-on-one. Why would you do that? Some people, like Speaker Paul Ryan, are trying to chalk all of this up to Trump being a political novice, and I think that that's bullshit. I do. I think that's nonsense. Where well, are Trump? He definitely atop- is a political novice. I don't think that's an excuse for. I mean, you you ran for the job. This is the tough. This is the toughest job it, in America. Yeah, um, and and you should be up for the task, and you should know um, what you're doing whenever you sign up for this. You're right. Um, so uh, he, I, I, I agree that he is a political novice. I don't agree that 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 is it is an excuse to not do your job. Um, it's, it's no uh, way. You know, saying I didn't know I, this is what I signed up for. I didn't know these are the rules. I didn't know I couldn't do that. You can't do that when you're president. Um, <laughs> that's, right. I mean, that's, Jordan uh, isn't. You know, when you're dealing with clients who come to speak to you, and ask. You know, they they sit and you do a consultation and then they pay you um, a retainer fee and then they start. I mean, you really should tell your lawyer everything. I mean, that's my impression. You 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 need to tell your lawyer everything (laughs) so they can mount the best defense possible. And ignorance of the law is still not a legal excuse just because. No. Right. I mean, have you ever said, you know, you had somebody who came to you and said, um, Jordan, I got a speeding ticket and I need you to help defend me, but I didn't know how fast I was going. Therefore, it's not my fault. So that's that's a silly argument. That's not a tenable argument. That's not one that you know you could actually win because even though that you didn't know what the actual speed limit was from, let's say you're driving eastbound from Hancock to Hagerstown, you know that Interstate 70 is going to be 70 miles per hour, I think. I think that's right. Yes, is it, it is 70? 70. Is it right? Yes. So we can thank State Senator George Edwards who pushed a bill incidentally and parenthetically through the Maryland House of Delegates and the Maryland State Senate and had I believe the governor's this current governor sign it that changed Maryland speed limit laws on major interstates to 70 miles per hour which was desperately needed especially in western Maryland. Um, yeah. And that, <laughs> a brief aside. Um, so then, you know, going back to the Trump Comey conversation, it's he should have known that talking to Jim Comey one on one, a director of the FBI, a bureau that is independent, it's an independent appendage of the Justice Department that the executive branch cannot exert authority. Now, he can fire Jim Comey. It's true for any reason that he endeavors. But it looks bad. When he fired him, not only did when he fired him, he did not – the form was bad the way that he did it. But then he goes out and accuses of him of being a nut job and the right-wing attack machine went into um, – it, it just went overboard with saying that Comey's nothing more than a disgruntled employee. Then they're questioning Comey's loyalty and saying that he lied, and – that's where I have a real problem, Jordan. That's where I have the real yeah. issue. His continued foot and mouth um, syndrome. 
<laughs> which is that's all it can be called at this point. It's a it's a daily, multiple times a day, putting your foot in your mouth. It's a it's a syndrome, um, and that's he has made it worse in everything that he has said, um, and that's so I, I almost think that that's somewhat where the political novice comes into play, um, not just politically, but um, just from the, from the standpoint of a lawyer, if, um, if you're under investigation or you're subject to a case at all that is ongoing, I'm going to tell you, Ryan Miner, don't post about it. Don't get on Facebook. Don't tweet. Don't, don't talk to anybody about it. Don't talk yeah. to the media. Your response is respectfully no comment or please speak to my lawyer. Um, that is absolutely any lawyer's advice for any client um, in any situation, big or small. Now, at the presidential level, it's, it's very important that you keep your mouth shut, that you keep an air of professionalism and decorum about the investigation. Um, you applaud the FBI's work. <laughs> you show that you're being cooperative in every single way. From a political standpoint, that is, uh, I believe, what a more experienced politician would do in the situation. Um, where his inexperience shows is things like then going on the news and saying, oh, it was because of Russia or, um, you know, tweeting things that he's a nut job and things like that. That, that is not helping him. <laughs> it's not helping, and it's also not helping him that – they're parsing language, but the White House seemingly can never get its story straight. They have three different stories. One is their media angle that they send out their surrogates to talk on television, and Sean Spicer says one thing. Sarah Huckabee Sanders says something sort of similar to what Sean Spicer tells the media. Then you have Trump himself, which is a whole different problem, and he's, you know, for instance, he's calling – how many times did we hear from the White House that it wasn't a ban? It's not a travel ban. It's not a Muslim ban. Trump tweets, let's call it what it is. It's a ban. So you have <laughs> yeah, you have Sean Spicer yeah, who's he, going out. He, Spicer and um, Huckabee have, have terrible jobs. They, they, oh, I, it's I genuinely feel for them um, because no matter how polished of a statement – they they may try to give it's going to be um it's going to be demolished by the end of the day um and then they've got to reframe they they've definitely got to be on their feet they have got yeah. a really tough job <laughs> yeah i i yeah so then you know let's fast forward comey testimony it was the hottest event in washington this past week and in fact bars were doing specialties <laughs> they said that they were going one bar even had posted that it was going to give free drinks every time Trump tweeted throughout the testimony, which I hope his lawyers or his White House aides or Ivanka stole his smart, unsecured smartphone and decided <laughs> that they should hide it and keep him occupied. And I think that they did, but there would be, it, it, it seems just nothing more than a reality show to Trump. It's like, it, what's the next episode? What's going to happen next? And that's the problem. That's not how American government should operate. This is not a, um, you know, this is not where it's like, you know, Netflix, it's not where they release a season of house of cards and then you get to episode 13 and then you have to wait a whole year to find out what's going to happen next. 
I feel like that's how Trump sees himself. I mean, he's a mogul. He's a media guy. He knows how to play people. He knows how to manipulate viewers and people. And I think that he sees this as nothing more than a game. And he has this ability to a maintain. A branding experiment. <laughs> I agree. And, and so, but the, but the experiment is still screwing with American democracy. And it's just the executive branch does not scream that it has its shit together. It's true. It doesn't. And so you have, yeah. F, you have FBI director Jim Comey, this, this guy that you, that you said it best. He spent his whole life in, you know, basically as a, as a bureaucrat or – and I'm not, I don't want to say that pejoratively, but he testifies before the Senate Intelligence Committee. And he delivered the first public remarks since he was fired by Trump earlier um, last month. And so he talks about his interactions with Trump, and you know he differentiated his communication with Trump and President Obama. And then he discusses the president's demand for loyalty and getting the pressure to drop the investigation into former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. So they had – I would say that there was about – five or six top moments and highlights from his testimony. And I think the first one, when Comey stepped up to the plate and immediately said that Trump, it, it, they're lies, plain and simple. That, it, that was his opening statement, basically taking issue with Trump's explanation for his firing and describing the administration's claims of an FBI and disarray's lies, plain and simple. And so that's nonsense. I, I if you if you talk to FBI agents, people who worked under Comey, by all reports, they admired the man. They think he was great. There wasn't. There's no disarray. Uh, there's no chaos inside of the. Uh, and this is just Trump spinning. So you have that, and good for Jim Comey for saying that. And the second one was that he was concerned. He said this. Jim Comey said, "I was concerned that Trump might lie." That's troubling. You're saying that. You think the president of the United States is straight up just going to lie to you. And then Comey admitted that he was fired because of the Russian investigation and that, you know, and given the necessity of independence of the the FBI investigators, it was a pretty big deal. So then you my favorite moment was folksy Comey says, Lordy, I hope there are tapes. You remember that? That was (laughs) that's so good. Um, Oh, it's a perfect meme. It's it's perfect for memes. Yeah, of course, Comey was recalling the the infamous Trump tweet that basically threatened the existence of tape of their conversations, which is not unheard of because it's often reported that when Donald Trump was living in Trump Tower and he was serving as the president of Trump Enterprises or Trump Inc. or whatever you want to call it, he would tape conversations with people. So, and then I think that issue, and then I think the biggest thing to come out of this is not only that Comey basically said, not basically, but he did. He said Trump is lying, that Comey had this memo, and he apparently relayed information about the memo to a friend who then leaked it over to a New York Times reporter. And so my, my legal question to you is, Jordan, following this story, knowing what you know, number one, is it considered to be a true leak legally in Number two, it, because Comey was then a private citizen, did his memo de- therefore belong 
to the Department of Justice and the FBI? And number three, is there any sort of case where Jim Comey could be punished for or investigated himself for allegedly leaking the, the content of his memo that he had written after talking with Trump? Well, so first of all, um, I don't think everything necessarily classifies as a leak. Um, classified information getting out is a very big deal. Um, and I believe Comey several times in his testimony mentioned how seriously he takes, you know, classified information being being revealed. That that causes national security risks um, that aren't worth taking. Um, simply memorializing a conversation with a president, um, I think it's actually pretty common that a lot of people do that. Um, I think it's really common if the president has everybody leave the room and it's just the two of you to memorialize a conversation, um, lest your your memory fail you or somebody change their story down the road, um, just as a good rule of thumb for any lawyer, memorializing two-on-two conversations is, is always a good idea. Um, him, him sharing that information um, – I don't legally much can be done, but part of that will hinge upon how the investigation plays out, um, how Mueller's investigation plays out. And that's partly because in U.S. v. Nixon, um, I believe one of the things that was addressed was the fact that uh, a leak uh, about information that uh, indicates that the president is, is involved in something or if the, if the president is potentially trying to obstruct justice or make threats or trying to do something illegal, then you can reveal that and you, you pretty much have a duty to somehow get that information out, especially if you are chief law enforcement official sure. in the country. Um, and, and that I do believe that was one of the the issues of USB Nixon that was that was played out. So if if this goes further and Mueller does find that there was obstruction of justice causes or that there's more to this, um, it's very possible that even if you do want to consider this a leak, um, that he he's still covered um, and and didn't do anything illegal. Now also. There, there is the, the concept of executive privilege, which um, the president can and had the opportunity to assert in advance of uh, the hearing itself, and he chose not to assert that executive privilege. Um, now it kind of seems that they're kind of backtracking on that and in some ways are trying to say that the conversations were privileged. Um, However, nothing that was revealed or leaked um, seemed to be classified uh, information of you know, national security import um, whatsoever, um, which is uh, – long story short, it may have been somewhat questionable for him to, to, to share the information in the way he did. Mm-hmm. Ahead of time, ahead of his testimony, I'm not 100% sure what his reasoning would be for, for doing that before he testified. Um, but I really don't think anything 
there are any legal causes of action against him. Well, I would tell the tr- I would if I were one of President Trump's lawyers, I would say I would tell him and I would implore him not to continue. I would implore him to stop tweeting. Stop saying anything <laughs> about this investigation. Stop trashing Comey. It's as if he believes that former FBI director Robert Mueller, who's in charge of this special investigation, is not reading this stuff, that he's not watching Fox News, and he's not watching Donald Trump Jr. go on a Fox News program last night and say that there's no ambiguity when my father gives an order. (laughs) I mean, you know, this is the kind of stuff that is just kitty hour. It's amateur hour. And you know they're going on and on and about that Trump was exonerated, that he was vindicated from this testimony. That, that's that's not it at all. I I don't think that there's. I don't any think testimony. he was. <laughs> no. No, I mean, and the right wing are saying that this is nothing more than once again a witch hunt. That Trump's testimony or the that Comey's testimony proved that Trump was not under investigation, that he did nothing wrong, that it was a mess. Jordan, it was a mess. And the more that he talks, the more that Mueller is collecting this information. And I think that down the line, it is my opinion, my non-legal opinion, that they're going to really investigate. They're going to they're going to mince words, and they're going to. I think they're going to labor over this. Did Trump intentionally try to halt the investigation, and was it an intentional act of? obstructing justice in a way that would have prevented the FBI from doing its job. That's where it's going to come down to, and I don't know what, I don't know how it's going to turn out. But if they find wrongdoing, I mean what what's the alternative? I mean what's the political fallout? Impeachment? I don't think that's going to ever happen. All these folks that are talking about a Trump impeachment, they have to understand that there's there's the political dynamics, the the, the politics just for the Democrats, if they want to impeach him, and that's who would do it, um, you know, it would be. I would cover. Uh, you don't think you don't think there aren't any Republicans that would impeach if Mueller comes back and finds that there was obstruction of justice, um, that there are you know just smoking guns. Uh, you don't think that. Um, I believe already some Republicans are are coming out and saying that they. They are disappointed. They aren't happy with what's happening. Um, they're they're very skeptical about what's going on. Um, and I I I think enough Republicans would sway, and especially if 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 the public um, really sees and is concerned that the president might be obstructing justice. I mean, they'll have to answer to their constituents as well, um, as opposed to they can they can opt to keep their job and do what the constituents want, or they can appease a president. And the president is actually not who keeps them in their role. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's the people. So I think, I think findings by Mueller will largely dictate what happens politically as well. Well, I agree. And so this will be an ongoing conversation and I'm going to keep asking you for your expert legal opinion on this, and I'm going to continue watching copious hours of cable news channels and listening and reading people who are a lot smarter than I am on all this stuff, but it's important that we pay attention. But I don't understand. I mean, while we are speaking, Trump is literally tweeting Geraldo Rivera saying, 
that impeachment went from 3% to 0% after the Comey's, Comey's testimony. Why does he keep doing this? Why does he have this impulsive urge to, to, to feel like that every time somebody says that he's not politically affected or that Comey did him um, a favor, that he has to talk about it? Let the facts if, – if that's the case, let the facts speak for themselves. Let Mueller continue. I mean all of this seems like he's building a pretext, and I, I just don't think he gets it. I think that he's a true idiot. I do, Jordan. I think that he's an idiot. <laughs> I think that he is being advised by people who say yes to him. I think that he discounts opinions. Do you think opinions. he would take advice otherwise? Do you think he uh, would be willing to take advice that was no, contrary to no, what he thinks? No. I mean, and remember – we were we were billed the uh, the goods that Ivanka and Jarrett were, would be the moderating force in the West Wing that they would keep them under control. I look at both of them and say, you guys are nothing more yeah. than able. You know, there was the that famous yeah. SNL skit with Scarlett Johansson in which she was selling the perfume complicit, and it was really funny. And it was funny because it's true. They're enabling him. They're not they're not drawing him back. And this guy has nothing else to do but wander around the White House for several hours at a time. He's watching cable news. He's tweeting at ungodly hours of the morning. He's watching Fox and Friends and you know the fake news media this. And it's just the executive branch of our American system of government is under attack by someone who fundamentally doesn't understand nor does he respect the office of the presidency. And it's nothing more than, in my opinion, the Trump show, and that's unfortunate. But I want to move on. Um, so talking locally, Jordan, you've read the case um, that Sarah Langford Spreckard um, has come forward about allegations that Washington County Commissioner Leroy Myers sexually harassed her. And she released – her attorneys released a document. What was your take on that? Wow, that is that's going to be uh, tough for our local area uh, to weather this out because it looks like she has um, some other people on her side. That um, I mean, initially, whenever you you see or hear something like this, um, an alleged um, inappropriate contact, usually it's uh, he said, she said, and it's one person's word against the other. Um, however, it looks like she um, has some other people testifying on her behalf mm-hmm. um, as to as to some things that were going on that were less than kosher, I suppose. Um, again, it's going to be something to watch as it plays out. I don't think um, it's from what I understand, uh, her attorney is is really pursuing this zealously and within. Uh, you can serve someone with government requests um, pretty much uh, as soon as you have proof they've been served with a complaint. And that's like, that's what it looks like has happened in that case, that the complaint was served. And then within about 24 hours, um, there were requests for emails, I believe, and um, to turn over evidence and things like that. I think they were, I think some of the language was to, to prevent, um, Spoliation of of evidence, something like that, um, or or things being deleted or removed. Uh, that's typically there's a a thirty day time frame to respond to those requests. 
um, at least, unless there are extensions and things like that, which is very possible. Uh, so I think we're going to continue to hear about this um, for the, the uh, beyond the oncoming months. Um, a month from now, we're going to hear about um, the discovery that's happened, at which point settlement will probably be talked about. Um, but uh, this is far from over as far as the news media is concerned and as far as the court is concerned. Um, and it looks like uh, from, the, from the language in the complaint that the, the case is, is pretty serious. Um, now, how it plays out for the, the larger body of our commissioners, how it will affect them and, and how things operate in the meantime, I don't know. I can imagine it's um, a stressful place to be right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, and Commissioner Myers has to work directly with Ms. Spracker, who is the county's assistant uh, county administrator, and her accusations are serious. And I, my question is, talk about the, the legal format in which she released it. Is that, is that standard practice? Because um, I, I didn't quite understand. So, of course, whatever I, document... I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it's uh it's always standard that your complaint gets uh you know becomes front page news that's not necessarily standard sure. um but but considering that it involves uh local political figures uh that makes it newsworthy um mm-hmm. and her her lawyer definitely seems to to be going at this um full bore um and and this is probably very much part of their strategy uh is is keeping this in the news media um and in a way when you have allegations of anything um Related to sexual assault, uh, like I said, you typically have the he said, she said issues, and you'll often have um, an attack on the, the, the alleged victim's credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it seems like her lawyer is very much trying to, to dominate the, the narrative at play in the public um, by going forth. Um, being the first person to, to file and just share the filings with the news media. Um, and, and they kind of have control of the narrative at this point. Um, right. Now, I, I would probably look in the future for um, Mr. Meyer's attorney to, to try to he'll, – he'll have his own statement, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Um, we, but you know, this is also somewhat of a good example. Just This is at the very local level. This is county level. And yet it seems so far that Myers is wise enough to not get on Twitter or social media. He's not commenting about, um, you know, that nut job or anything like that. Um, and, and if he did, it would just be, it would be terrible. It would be appalling. So the fact that that is happening at our federal level when, you know, you're seeing quite another scandal play out locally. And I will say that Myers is handling it um, probably as professionally as can be and must be listening to his attorney. <laughs> I agree. And his attorney is a good one. He hired uh, D. Bruce Poole, a former Maryland delegate in the uh, Maryland House of Delegates, I believe the former majority leader. Tell us about Bruce Poole and what you know about him. Um. Essentially, what you just stated, I, as far as what I, as far as I know, he's a respected attorney. Um, 
he, I think he limits the number of cases that he takes on. So he, he's very serious about what he does. Um, I, I haven't had to interact with him as opposing counsel in any way, um, but I, he is just definitely a, a name that is highly esteemed. So yeah. I think Myers has made a good choice in, in, the, in the counsel that he's picked. Uh, so some people might wonder, how much is a case like this going to cost Myers? I mean, for a defense or a you know, a council. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know much about that. I mean, what is it, is it expensive, not expensive? What, what is your, what is I your can, take on I can definitely say it is expensive. Now there's a, there's really a huge range and that range will ultimately depend on whether or not this goes to trial, whether there is a pre-trial settlement, um, just a number of different issues, not to mention, um, the, the number of depositions that will have to take place or um, complying with discovery requests can probably be expensive in a case like this. Um, I, he, he's definitely going to have uh, quite the bill, I'd say. Um, to, to, most of us, uh, to most of us average Joes, um, I'd easily say more than $10,000 up front just to get started, um, and that's that's probably a pretty modest assessment. But, um, and but, you know, just to be just to be factually correct, there's no, I, I guess there's there's no possibility of any criminal charges coming out of this. Um, in your I, in your legal I, opinion, I I would not. I I think if um, I think. So with a criminal charge, she would have likely had to go. You want to file criminal charges as soon as possible, especially in a in a, a sexual assault situation. Mm-hmm. You want to talk to the police, ideally within 24 hours. Now, it's my understanding that this first happened um, overseas, so that would have been a little tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not seem like the route this is going. And ultimately, I don't know – you have a little bit um, the the burden is definitely on the plaintiff uh, in both situations. Um, mm-hmm. So she has the burden of proof uh, both civilly and and criminally. but it's a it's a greater burden of proof criminally. Um, it would have been it would have been very tough, um, not to mention uh, the case would have likely had to have been filed. Locally, she would be dealing with um, local police, local attorneys that are many of whom are uh, like the, the the state's attorneys, the county attorneys that would prosecute crimes. Um, I believe are employed and hired by uh, our commissioners. Um, I, may be, I may be wrong about that though, but it it would be tough locally to to handle that um, criminally. It would make sense not to go with criminal charges and I don't think they would necessarily benefit her. He's definitely not going to see any jail time um, based on the allegations um, presented in the, in the first place. Um, civilly so, was probably the, the smarter way to go. So the big picture here is that this is damaging to um, commissioner Myers politically and, and his wife as well, who, like it or not, is still his wife, and she's involved, and she yes. she may not have been the person 
that has allegedly committed said acts that were written inside of that um, that document. But she's also considering a, a run for the House of Delegates to uh, recoup the old seat that Leroy Myers himself once held in Western mm-hmm. Maryland. Nonetheless, this is this was done. I I mean, this was a report that was released, but could it have been kept private? Jordan, could this have been something that Ms. Sprecher would have instead kept to herself and that nobody found out about? Or was this a leak? As I think somebody had said, they don't know how it got leaked to the press, but would this be a public document? I don't, I don't know how that works. Um, so the, the public can request access to the court document. I'm sure. pretty sure um, – I, there's there's just an infinite number of ways that that information could have gotten out, and it it would have been next to impossible to to really keep it under wraps. And I mean, Washington County isn't all that big; it's, it's kind of like a, a small a small community in and mm-hmm. of itself. Um, and, and we certainly know a lot of other people's business in the area, so there there's no way I think that this would have been able to be kept private. Um, eventually, it would have gotten out. Um, like I said though, at the beginning, if if it was um, leaked, quote unquote, um, by the plaintiff's attorney, that might just be one way of trying to 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 dictate how the news media presents this. Which I it does seem that they're so far they they're pretty they're being pretty fair. I think yeah. I think it's been very fact based and um, haven't. I can't think of any opinions that I've seen that are, that that's playing into this, um, at least in the the Herald Mail's reporting so far. Um, well, these are only allegations from one side, and Leroy exactly. Myers hasn't issued an official response. He did say that uh, his attorney said that Mr. Myers would be aggressively fighting back and will clear his name. So there is that. Um, what is Ms. Sprecher's end goal here. What's what's the best possible legal outcome for her? The best possible legal outcome um, for on her side would probably be him removed from his role um, and no longer having to work with him. Mm-hmm. And it looks like she was pursuing damages as well, so she may even be looking for financial damages. I don't know. I want to say that there was a there was an issue about uh, she was passed over for promotion or something like that that paid, played into this as well. Um, so I'm not sure, and that, that isn't yeah. something that has been revealed yet, what damages they have announced that they're seeking. For, for me, just off the top of my head, if a, if a client came to me with an issue like this, I think my, my end goal would be you know, discontinuing the relationship and and severing the working environment, the toxic working environment where two people are working together that um, really shouldn't be. That would be right. that would be the biggest thing, and anything else would just be icing on the cake. So, I mean, Commissioner Myers would have to would a settlement equate to him admitting guilt? Not always. That doesn't. Not that is not always the case. Um, at all, often a, a settlement may um, 
just be a way of avoiding court. It's also a way of keeping costs at a minimum, too. If you're thinking you're going to have to pay out to her and the attorney, um, then it's definitely a way to keep costs less. Um, a lot less. Going to trial for something public like this is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so settling is kind of like it, sometimes a settlement is just washing your hands of the matter and saying, I just want to move on from this nightmare. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's kind of like waving, waving the white flag. It's not always an admission of guilt. No, that's often built into many settlements is that um, the person settling is not admitting to any guilt. That's often one of the the components of a settlement. Well, it's an interesting case, and it's unfortunate that um, it's happened in in the community. I I hope that both sides can have a conversation and and talk about it. It's an important prevailing issue that if it did happen, then – you know, it has to be made clear that that type of behavior is not okay. If the allegations in any way were exaggerated, that has that has to be that element has to be addressed as well. And we're going to hear from both sides. I think that this is going to be an ongoing media spectacle, unfortunately, but that's just what you get when someone is accused of sexual harassment, Jordan. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I do I'll, – I'll circle back just a little bit. There was – I wanted to comment. You mentioned his, his wife, and I believe whenever uh, you and I had talked privately about this as it was coming out, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm actually embarrassed for his, for his wife too. Um, you mentioned she's, she's possibly running for, for political office, or I don't, I'm not sure if she's officially made the statement yet. Um, but uh, it's – it's going to affect her and it right. shouldn't. And I don't think that's fair. And, and honestly, there were, um, again, I'll, I'll go back to presidential candidates, Hillary Clinton. Um, often I would hear in the news media, there were, there were plenty of things to pick on Hillary Clinton about, but I was always upset when people would mention the Lewinsky scandal as if sure. that was somehow her fault. Um, and I don't think that, that women running for office should be judged on the misgivings of their husbands. I, I feel that that's terrible, and I, I feel I feel embarrassed for the woman. Um, it, it's one thing to to be cheated on; it's another thing to be cheated on publicly. Um, and I, I I really feel for her, and I hope it doesn't affect her her um, her campaign at all. Yeah. Well, it's I you know. Their allegations, and that's what they should be viewed as, as not fact, but um, one person's word against the other. And I think it's just fair. And like you said, we're you know my role um, in this is just to present the 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 facts or present the allegations and and have the discussion. Um, and people can make up their own minds based upon the reading of the facts. And so, what else is discovered? Um, well. Jordan, we're both working people, and I think we both have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> I know I do. Yes. Um, I, I would trade you uh, for a day in the life of Jordan Lysick. I would, I would trade you in a heartbeat, but um, I think we'll wrap this up. But, Jordan, I really appreciate you, you coming on and having these important conversations. We went into depth about the Comey stuff and then had an opportunity to talk about um, a, a legal issue that is pervading the community in Washington County. 
Um, and it's always important to have a lawyer's perspective. And I, I want to finish out by if people have request your legal services, um, tell, tell them where they can find you um, on the web or get in contact with you. Oh, okay. Um, on on the web, um, I'm LizakLaw.com, and that's particularly hard to spell. So I've come up with a new domain name, Honest-Lawyer.com, um, which I'm really proud of. I thought that was really catchy, and I'm glad I was able to, to get that domain. Um, so Honest-Lawyer.com, and then you can also find me on Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, um, again, I'm Jordan Lysak, and my last name is spelled L-Y-S-C-Z-E-K. Yes, it's easier to say than it is to spell. Uh, but I am all over the Internet. If you just look me up, you'll find me. And my maiden name was Apple, A-P-P-E-L. If you Google search that, you'll find me as well. So I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> well, I, uh, I read your, your monthly um, email newsletter and I, I encourage people to sign up and I did I literally just typed in honest-lawyer.com and it took me it routed me to your uh, your law office website so and so if you're listening make sure that if you ever need an attorney in Washington kind of don't care what it is I mean if I don't know if you go on murder trial Jordan Jordan Heather <laughs> you know don't a don't murder anybody, but if you no, yeah, um, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> if you find yourself in a position of being accused of murder, um, yeah, there's there's lots of attorneys, um, but you know Jordan, she has her specialties. Check out her website. Check her out online. Um, she's all around a really great person, and she does a lot for her community. And uh, just don't call her at like three o'clock in the morning if. Uh, <laughs> asking um being pulled over yes (laughs) yeah you know i i ripped off the pizza guy and then i think the cops are going to come to my door so don't call her then just wait till the morning and she'll answer you or her answering service will wait (laughs) to answer you um all right so jordan thanks so much for for doing this i know that um finding time especially on a weekend is tough but it means a lot to me and uh this show is always turned into a podcast afterwards, so it will be available. And so I, I encourage people to listen in. And uh, and if you need anything from all Jordan, like I, like she said, go to honest-lawyer.com. It's a catchy website domain um, because we all know that there aren't many honest lawyers out there. And but Jordan gives the legal profession a good name because she does her very best work to uh, to stay above the fold and always do what's right for her clients. So Jordan, thanks again for doing that. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Well, come back anytime. You're a friend of this, um, of the podcast and you're uh, a friend of the show. So we will definitely hang, uh, have you back on. So thanks again. Um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. We went a few minutes earlier. I usually set the show for two hours, but tonight I thought, oh, I could get away with a half an hour, but nonetheless, or I'm sorry, an hour and a half, 90 minutes. But Jordan is so interesting. She's an excellent guest. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. And we will close it out. And I wish you a great week. <laughs>